Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. Feeling a little numb today. One of my pets passed away yesterday. The difference between the last pet passing before and this pet passing yesterday, well, one difference is that I personally did the euthanasia myself. I should note here, if you feel that someone being upset over the death of a pet fish, silly or stupid or ridiculous, you will probably not enjoy or benefit from listening to this episode. Unless, of course, you want to try to change your point of view on that. I am calling this episode Plum a Memorial. So I have been keeping aquarium fish since 2008. My nephew, who is no longer with us, is the main prompter for this hobby of mine. He had been a fisherman earlier in his life, and then I had been a fisherman at the times when we were together. So I think he prompted me to become a fisherman as well. I mean, I fished when I was a kid with my father, but then that all blew away. And then when I was back in Mike's life, Mike is the name of my nephew, and we were living in the same town, he liked to fish, and I picked up that hobby And then he put down that hobby and he began keeping fish. And a few years later, I did the same. I have talked on my podcast about my magic catfish hunter who has lived twice his expected lifespan. That was the first fish that Mike actually picked out for me when I was beginning my hobby as a fish aquarium owner. Just a little bit about aquariums. If you do not have any experience taking care of fish in an aquarium, I'm going to tell you it is not 
an easy hobby. If you want to do it well, if you want to keep your fish healthy and your aquarium clean, it takes a lot of work. So I'm just going to put that out there. I think I knew in 2008 that it was going to be a timely, a time-consuming, not timely, a time-consuming hobby. But I was younger then. And over the years, I've had to adapt the way that I take care of my fish. In fact, when my diagnosis of emphysema came down and my back was hurting me a lot, my partner, Nancy, actually made me a rolling table on which I keep the bucket that I use to siphon out the fish water every week. I roll it back and forth to the sink so that I don't have to carry it, which is fabulous. It was a fabulous gift. So <clears throat> Hunter is now the last fish I own after these 15 years of being a uh, an aquarium hobbyist. And Plum, who passed away yesterday, was the last fish in a particular aquarium. Actually, she was about one inch big, just a little tetra. She lived for four and a half years, and she was in a 50-gallon tank. She had outlived all of her tank mates that I had over the years in that 50-gallon tank. So she was the last of the group, and I came to something, an end of something myself. Uh, she was a very hefty eater, Plum. Always so full of life. And she was neon purple. There was this trend to breed colors neon colors into little tetra and she was one of those she was purple but I named her plum and it was her and hunter the magic catfish and I've talked a lot about hunter in other episodes if you want to know more about hunter just look for an episode that has pets either in the title or the blurb About six weeks ago, something started happening with Plum. She started swimming strangely. So I thought perhaps that she had swim bladder disease, which is something that happens to fish. So I gave her some peas, the inside of peas to eat. It's a homemade remedy. And that did not seem to fix it. I thought perhaps she had an internal bacterial infection. And since she was in her own tank, it was easy for me just to put the medicine in the tank. Later on, I wondered if it wasn't something that I had done that made her wonky. 
I think perhaps I had an abundance of CBD on my hands and I had put them into her tank to rearrange something because I just vaguely remember a weird film on the top of her water when I noticed that she was swimming awkwardly. But of course, I didn't mean to do that. And I started changing her water, 20% of her water every day. Because I thought, has she been poisoned by something? There are other things that can poison fish. Sometimes glass cleaners um, will get into the water. I have read about that. I never use the glass cleaner or any kind of cleaning tool on my aquariums. So any kind of product like that, I would just use water to clean off the glass. So I started changing her water, but her swimming got worse and worse until about maybe three, three and a half weeks ago, she started being unable to swim. She would swim in little bursts, like a couple inches going straight, and then she would turn to her side, and then she would fall to the floor of the aquarium exhausted. And I could see that she was breathing heavily. Her gills were really going. And then she would rest, and then after a while, she would be able to move around a little bit. But, so it was a sad tale. Um, Eating became a problem. I would hand feed her over the weeks. And she would, when she was really, really hungry, she would eat out of the palm of my hand. So I would put flakes and or digestive uh, grains that I thought might help her, into the folds and creases of my palm. And then I would scoop her up, and then I would put another hand on top of her so that the grains, granules, and the flakes wouldn't float away from her. And I could feel her kind of pecking at the creases of my palm. But over the last week or so, that had stopped. I knew she didn't like doing it. What kind of fish would like eating out of a human hand? Not not many wild fish. I sing to my fish. I have been singing to my fish for years. And so I had her own song and I had Hunter's own song. And I would sing to her and try to encourage her to eat and to swim. And there were days when it looked like she was getting a little better. But then she would fall further back in decline. So I did research on euthanizing fish. And I suppose that you can take your fish to a fish vet to euthanize them. But for some reason, that didn't touch me as something I wanted to do. If she had to go and she wasn't going to go naturally, I I wanted to do it. And so I found the way that most fish experts say is the most humane way to euthanize a fish is with clove oil. 
So I ordered the clove oil maybe a week ago, but I just couldn't do it. This little fish had such a will to live. It's, it's hard to explain. I think she had more will to live than any being I have ever come across in my life. Every morning when I would get up and I would sing, you know, her plum song, and she would wiggle around and just start to get herself going as much as she could. And her trying to eat and she just, sometimes she would be in the morning stuck behind something, stuck underneath her little castle or, and I mean underneath it, I don't even know how she got under there. And I would pull up the castle and she would start to float up and I would think, oh, she's gone. And then she would zip into, you know, life. Sometimes I would stroke her little tail and she would zip. I mean, lots of zest for life. She really wanted to live. She wanted to get better. And so I think that had an impact on me as to whether or not I should do this. But when she stopped eating, I just knew, I mean, before that I was going back and forth and I'm like, she's not really being a fish, right? Because she's not swimming. And she used to love to swim around that whole tank. She had that whole tank by herself. And she loved it. It was like her little fishdom. But she got, as she got worse at swimming, yesterday I just decided to do it. And it is a long process, euthanizing a fish. If you want to do it humanely, you have to add it slowly to the water. You have to... uh, get the fish anesthetized first and then it loses consciousness and then the vital organs stop when you put the last part of it in. So the process takes like up to an hour. So of course, as soon as I started the process and I put a little bit of the clove oil into the water as directed, I wanted to reverse time. This has happened to me with all deaths. Whenever I hear about someone I love or something that I love that has passed away, I want to turn the clock back. I even had this weird feeling, or I used to, about people being buried. I always thought before they're buried, there's this chance that we can do something to bring them back to life. Of course, it's a ridiculous thought, but I'm sure it's part of the grieving stage, right? So I put a little bit of clove oil in there. But her zest for life, she was fighting it, even the anesthesia. I could see that she knew what was going on, and they said, you know, fish don't really know what's going on, but I could tell she did, and it made me cry, and I was crying and singing and telling her it was okay, go to the fish light. I, It was so difficult, and I talked to my sister, who is a wonderful support when I am sad, sad, sad. She's the one I go to, Bonnie. And she pointed out that maybe my presence there and my presence of being upset and crying was making it difficult, more difficult for Plum. 
to accept the anesthesia and to, you know, go with the flow to use a terrible cliche at that moment. Uh, anyway, I decided she was right. She said, why don't you, you know, put some more in and then walk away, then come back, put some more in. And so I did it that way. And she seemed to calm down. And then when I put the last amount of clove oil in, I waited a half an hour. And then I asked my partner if she would go look at the fish because I just couldn't. I was overcome with grief and I was crying, crying, crying. And so Nancy respectfully went over to the aquarium and watched for minutes to see if her gills were moving. And she came over and said sadly that they were not moving anymore. So I knew it was over. Her suffering was over. And I do think that she was suffering somewhat. And I would have gone on and tried to feed her from my hand and tried to just change her water every day. But as, again, my lovely sister Bonnie pointed out, that would be very difficult for both of you. She wants to be a fishy fish, a fish in, you know, 100% fish. And that means swimming around and going up to the top of the water and eating her food. And she wasn't. And it's very difficult for you to watch this happen. So it's over. While I was waiting that last half hour, I took out a rock that I found at the ocean the other day. I just picked it up. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. But I got out some paints that I've had for 10 years and haven't used, some acrylics. And I painted the rock with her name and a little heart with a tail that ends up looking more like a fish blob. But the intention is good. And so I buried her. I held her in my hand and I stroked the body, but I knew she wasn't there. I never had an experience like this in my life where I was in control of the fate of a living thing. Yes, I have had to had had pets put down, but never before have I done it. I mean, I could have changed course. No, I couldn't reverse time. But after I put that first glug of the clove oil mixture into her water, I could have taken her out of there. And I, I could have put her in the tank with Hunter. I could have done that. So I could have changed my course. I was in control that way. And I did not. And it was very... Very difficult. And I had a very sad day. Today I'm numb. You know, I've had many views on euthanasia, philosophically. I've never understood why Americans are so keen on putting animals out of their suffering and putting them to sleep, but they don't feel the same way about people. But based on what I felt yesterday, and of course, 
being somehow involved in a cocktail that would end the suffering of a loved one's life would be 10,000 times more difficult than it was for me, or at least a thousand times. I really, really like animals. But it is legal in my state, and my partner and I have talked about it. And if we get to a certain point in our health where we want to be the masters of our own fate, we have said that we want to do this. Both of us have DNR on our living will. But now I just wonder if I would be able to even lift someone's head up to help them drink that cocktail because of how difficult it was for me yesterday to watch this little being fight so hard for life. I'm sure maybe a person would be doing the same thing, although... Maybe by the time it's legal to give someone a cocktail of death, they are at a space where they wouldn't be fighting at all anymore. I'm not sure. But if that circumstance should arise, what will I do? I guess I need to think more about it. I've been so much more empathetic in the last couple of years. I really believe part of it is because I have more time to think more deeply about everything. And so I think more deeply about beings. But I think it's also something about getting older, not just about work. You know, I take care of wild animals every day. If you have listened to the podcast, you know about my hummingbird colony. You know about my trials and tribulations with the wild birds and the feeders. I put out bee bowls because I want the bees to have water and nectar. And I, it really has ramped up this empathy for all creatures, including humans, over the past couple of years. its I wonder if it can grow any more, but I guess I'll see. Today I said I'm numb, but I'm going to spend a lot of time taking extra care of my animals and paying extra attention. I should do it every day. But every once in a while we need a kick in the pants, right, to... Be extra grateful and be extra mindful. And so that's what I'm doing today. Rest in peace, Plum. She was such a hefty eater. And sometimes when I would sing to her, she would just turn around and swim away. (laughs) She had such a personality. I hope you can spend a few extra minutes with your pet or a wild animal that's within your sphere after listening to this. I hope that my empathy for this being sparks a little empathy in you. 
I, I have no doubt it will, Scholar, because I love you all. Thanks for listening. Keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever